0: Out there, you are now tuning into to ALSA One podcast brought to you by ALSA International. To kick off our 2021, our podcast series this time around will include laid back discussions on a wide array of topics that impact our daily lives, ranging from social issues, legal centric topics or just casual sharing session with our fellow law students, especially from our ALSA community. I'm Nisa, the Vice President of Public Relations and Marketing of Alsa International Pod, will be your host for today's episode and with an Honourable Guest Speaker from Alsa Brunei, Shire, the President himself. So in this episode, we talk about how a legal drama from the 90s called Ali Mobile could impact or to a certain extent contributed to the feminism movement in the 90s and a cultural take on some of the issues portrayed in the show whether it is still relevant in the present time today. We hope you enjoy our discussion. But before we go into our discussion, um, I've been told that Shai here has been with ALSA for three years. And now that you are president of your own national chapter, what's your experience in ALSA like?
1: Uh, Alright, okay. So first of all, hello hello everyone. Um, My name is Awanku Muhammad Shair. Uh, You can simply call me Shair. So back in 2016, I joined the Taylor's Law School and during that year itself, I was appointed as the director of PRM and as well the director of IT. So throughout the years, I organized a study trip and also I organized uh icebreaking for the for the ASA awesome members in Taylor. So So yeah. Um, from so just a brief through on what I did in Taylor's Law School is that I act, I also organized a team building in Tatum Hills and I also organized a, a study trip in the in the Istana Kahakiman, which is the Federal Court of Malaysia. And after that, during my second year, I also part of the Legal Aid Center. I was appointed as the co director of the legal aid. And yeah, this is just there's a basic run run down on the what is legal. Ed? Actually, legal it is actually we are actually giving a free advice with the assistance from the lawyers of course. So giving advice to the client and yeah, most of the legal issues basically on the tenancy agreement, like the, the deposit is not giving back from the landlord. So yeah, that, that's basically um what I did in Taylor, and then and today. I'm the president of Al Zabruna.
0: Mm, so how how's that like? How's the you know, leading uh your own your very own national chapter?
1: So far it's been so great so far. Um and yeah, Alhamdulillah, we managed to uh create and organize an event this year which is we able to host national mood competition uh for the Nuremberg. So so basically um I'm 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 looking forward for twenty twenty one.
0: Ah, uh, I see. Oh, I remember you told me in our past conversations that Spotify yeah. is banned in Brunei. So how why is it banned?
1: <laughs> so actually to be honest, I'm not really sure why um Spotify is banned in Brunei, but I'm guessing that um since we are a Sharia law country, so <laughs> we are unable to listen to music. But 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 yeah, it's quite funny actually how how the government runs in Brunei. We uh, they've been Spotify and and the funny thing is if this uh, the first episode will be air, I have to use a VPN to access this Spotify
2: oh no
0: yeah I think that would be like um, a sad thing for the ALSA members in Brunei as well to listen to the yeah. podcast uh, it's okay podcasts will be streamed on other platforms as well. So I hope like other platforms such as you know Anchor and all that is not banned on yeah, Brunei, I guess. Sure okay, it's not banned Brunei. <laughs> uh, okay, that's great to know. Um, So like speaking of the your term in ALSA, right? So yeah. um and you running your own national chapter, I guess the norm these days when we asked about, you know, when we make small talks, um we don't always ask people anymore about the weather or yeah. Uh, yeah, because of the pandemic True. throughout the whole twenty twenty, I think it took a toll on everyone. Um, yes, I guess I think it would be uh, interesting for our listeners to know how the pandemic uh, impacted Brunei.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember the first reported cases in Brunei. It was during uh, the end of March. Um, this is actually from. A group of people uh, from public. So what tablic is actually is a basically um, a group of people that attend a religious I- event uh, in Malaysia actually in Masjid India. So they attended this event and then they went back to Brunei and they tested positive uh, for COVID-19. So it's basically an imported cases uh, from Malaysia and so, so back then we all in Brunei was start to panicking at first and was reported there, uh, I think, during the first day, there are 23 uh, COVID cases. And so the first step that our Ministry of Health did was to declare a strict lockdown. So basically mm. from the lockdown, schools were closed, um, several shops were closed, and pretty much uh, we have a strict SOP where students uh, coming from UK or Malaysia or other Asian countries they will be having a strict quarantine zone, uh, which they call it uh, self-isolation mm. for 14 days. So that pretty much affects our outside activities as well. Because last year we supposedly to have a legal aid uh, with the Ministry of Education during my terms as a VP test in Brunei, but that didn't happen due to the outbreak. So which is quite sad. Huh? Um for but yeah, but but the COVID situation in Brunei is getting better and alhamdulillah we have zero cases right
2: now
0: oh my god that's great to hear i mean i guess well since we're pretty much a neighboring country for the context of our audience out there um as a prm of ib i'm actually from malaysia so when shari told me that there are cases is Almost like it's just one digit these days. I just feel so like jealous because in Malaysia the cases are now like four digits. Yeah.
1: But I really hope, long. I really hope the COVID nineteen is uh, the the situation is not it's not that worse.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, um, I guess like one of the um. I wouldn't call it a bright side or maybe just as how we cope these days. A lot of our ALSA events, even from other chapters, they're all moving it to virtual platforms. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of like a, a plus point. It gets more audience, it gets more people to join your talk and events because you know people just join our events remotely uh, since uh, it's on a virtual platform. The
1: virtual platform is, um, yeah, it's, seeing it on a bright side, by having a virtual event, it's true that a lot of, uh, we get a lot of participants uh, by attending our event. For example, uh, last December, we collabed with Alstair UITM for an Alstair webinar, which is actually a talk, which the participation number is quite a lot, actually. We we reach around 600 participants.
0: Wow, that's great!
1: Yeah, from three from three countries from Malaysia, Indonesia, and Brunei. So, so for us, for for us, it's actually it's a positive thing to see uh, that uh, there's a hidden blessing for <laughs> COVID nineteen. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, true. Because I always find it interesting, you know, when we hear about how different countries tackle the issues um, with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but then um, starting the 2021 this year, uh, I keep seeing a lot of memes and jokes on the social media, how people say that January 2021 is just the extension of 2020, considering how you know in other places the infection rate is increasing, the virus keep on mutating itself, and a yeah. lot of other bad news, you know, on the political side. Um, but since I guess it's still early to say about 2021, I don't I don't think that it's entirely doomed. So what do you expect and look forward to this year?
1: Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I just want 2021 to be the best year and hopefully as you mentioned not an extension of 2020 (laughs) but yes um i'm hoping that the the vaccine uh, will be distributed to all countries so that we can travel again and yeah of course um speaking of vaccination um there's no there's no actual date on the release of the vaccination in brunei um but i assume because we're having a zero cases so uh they're not particularly like um Setting a date for the release of the vaccine, but yeah, there is a survey um on our Brew Health app so regarding on the vaccination. So, so basically, Brew Health is actually um it's an app that is used to to track and identify whether the place is affected by the COVID nineteen. So, so I think um the survey is used to maybe somehow distribute uh in Brunei, but but then again I'm hoping. Um, if the vaccine is distributed to all countries, and my hope is that uh, we can physically attend uh, physical event. Oh yeah, or for example, also forum. Um, yeah, I hope that we can physically attend also forum in Laos, so we can able to meet all the national, national and local chapters. And yeah, 2021. Um, so far, it's been a great start for us because we are hosting the international event, which is the AIMC Brunei, which will be held virtually this year. So I'm looking forward uh, for that event.
2: Ah,
0: uh, that's great. Okay, so now that you mentioned about AIMC, I mean, I know what is AIMC, but for yeah, yeah. our listeners out there, and uh, I guess to uh, to gauge more uh, interested participants for the event, can you tell us about what is actually AIMC and why people should join AIMC?
2: All
1: right, so AIMC is it's part of the ALSA International event. It's an ALSA International Mediation Competition. So just a brief too on mediation. So mediation is a fast and highly sought after method. So mediation is part of ADR, which is Alternative Dispute Resolution. Um, it's basically allowing conflicting parties to settle their dispute. So, and to the listeners out there, you should join AIMC <laughs> because... From there, you will have the opportunity to be introduced to the world of mediation. And I hope uh, this competition will take the opportunity to gain your mediation expertise and as well uh, to hone your mediation skill. So um, I'm just gonna put there uh, just a, just, a <laughs> just an advertisement for the AMC.
0: <laughs> go ahead, go ahead.
1: The registration will open on 15th April 2021. So, so do follow us on Instagram. So, our Instagram account is at alsa underscore AIMC. So, I'm looking forward for you guys to join the event.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's great to hear. So, for those who's interested in... I guess in ADR or wanting to pursue career in ADR, like being uh, in mediation or negotiator or you know an arbitrator, I guess AIMC would be a good start if yeah. you guys would want to experience how ADR works. Um, though it won't be, you guys will actually feel the actual, um, I guess the physical, the realness of these of the situation um, circumstances because this competition is held virtually but nonetheless I feel like it is still Uh, an advantage um, you guys will still be able to learn from it because I was actually fortunate enough to be the organizing committee for the first AIMC last year and we got a lot of feedbacks from our participants saying how the um, the competition was pretty much engaging productive for them and that they learned a lot so for those out there don't forget to register for AIMC 2021 this year
1: yeah, I'm looking forward.
0: <laughs> so, um, I remember when we had our G GCM previously in Alsa Conference. Um, mm-hmm. I remember everyone talked about how they're coping with the pandemic. They watch a lot of shows on Netflix. So binge watch is now more like a norm. Mm-hmm. Um, have you watched uh any shows recently or binge watch a particular series?
1: So basically, um, last year actually, I, um. I'm not actually into series but more like um kind of like a movie person mm-hmm. you know? because uh, last year during the lockdown we have a two month uh, lockdown right in, in Brunei so actually um throughout the two months I'm having like uh like a marathon of Harry Potter's movie I'm keep wow. watching on the Harry Potter's movie like so it's become like just to you know just to get through the through throughout the months so it's basically kind of Kind of put up like uh, sort of like a norms for us in Grand back like then, but yeah. Um, last year, I actually have a new hobby. Uh, <laughs> actually, um, because it's quite trending in Brunei, um, most of the Bruneians actually they, they build a PC, so PC is a you know, computer like like a gaming computer.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: most of the most of the ga- ga- uh, the gaming computers actually like pull out everywhere because the demand is quite high because everyone wants to stay at home. Like all work from home, uh, that that is actually one of uh, my hobbies uh, my new hobbies in COVID nineteen.
0: Ah, interesting. So, um, so when we talked about, you know, binge, uh, binging shows, actually, so that's the whole point that we're having the podcast discussion today. So, Shari and I thought, like, it would be interesting for us to just uh, discuss about one of the shows that we've binge-watched uh, recently. And we agreed to, to discuss about the show of Ally Mobile. So, um, Ally Mobile is a 90s American legal drama. So... I've recently watched the whole series and I was just amazed and surprised, I guess, to a certain yeah. extent, how progressive the show was uh, because it was centered in the 90s, you see. And yeah. I feel like there's a lot of these social issues portrayed in the drama that I guess we can unpack today and mm-hmm. relate the issue in our current lives now. Um, have you watched it, Shaya? What do you think of the show?
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yes, I've watched the show. And yeah, if you look into the theme of the episode, they're pretty much ahead of their time, you know. Even though it was aired in 1997, um, pretty much the show is not dated. Nah, um, watching Ellie McBeal, uh, seeing the main character in his suit. Uh, so it's basically uh, the the whole show is basically a quirky 90s legal dramedy. And yes, as I mentioned earlier, the show were ahead of its time because uh, the show is portraying uh, issues such as feminism, sexual harassment in workplace in the 90s. So yeah, well, this issue is actually like popping up now in today's world. So pretty much this, this, this show is ahead of their time.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's what I feel as well. Okay, so for context for our listeners, right, Um, don't worry, I, I, I will try not to spill any spoilers. Okay. Um, the show is pretty much about the leading character called Ellie McBeal, played by Calista Flockhart. She also played uh, in the recent TV show Supergirl a few years back. So in yeah. this show, she's a young lawyer in Boston who winds up getting a job and the drama of it all is that she's working at the same firm with her ex-boyfriend, who was also her first love, and unfortunately, who was who already married by that time. Mm-hmm. But the show, like um, Shire said, it was not only centered on that plot. The show presented a, a mix of Ali's professional and emotional life with the portrayal yeah. of a you know lead, lead character with a strong personality, you know, which is a woman. Um, and back then, um, the it was still. Um, the show portrayed how feminism was like in the 90s. So maybe not an actual representation, but kind of bits and pieces of how it was like mm-hmm. back then. Obviously, we won't be dealing with all of them. Shari, wat- Shari and I thought it would be interesting to make a comparison of the situation then and how mm-hmm. it is now in our society. Maybe especially from the Asian perspective, because you know the way feminism is tackled in Hollywood, in the US and in Asia is a little bit different. So um, my first thought when I watched the show um, is actually the women representation as litigation lawyers. So this is because in the past, um, in well, I guess I can say for the Malaysian context, there weren't and in that area specifically, um, it was mostly a male-dominated area and very there were very little of women representation in litigation as well as mm-hmm. in the judiciary. I mean, don't get me wrong, women actually are, are allowed to study or read law, but oftentimes yeah. back then they're only encouraged to work in less time-consuming areas of the legal practice, such as yeah, okay, convincing okay. matrimonial matters, whereas in you know, litigation is this and in the judiciary um, is uh, there were just a lot of male representation. Um, I remember actually reading one of the interviews um, in with the late Justice Ruth Bader Grisberg, who used to be the US Supreme Court Justice back in 2015, Um, she was asked about when will there be enough women on the supreme court and to which she said when there are nine and you know people are, are shocked but then she said you know there had been nine men and nobody ever raised the question about that so even in the western uh, perspective you know there were still lacking of women representation when it comes to that area uh, as for Malaysia, we, the first woman to be appointed as a high court judge at the time is Tan Sri Datuk Sri Siti Norma Yaakob, And this only happened in 1983. Oh. And she was also the first woman to be appointed as a court of appeal judge in 1994. And only recently, a few years ago, in 2019, history was yeah. made where Malaysia actually has our own female chief justice with the appointment of Datuk Tengku Maimun Tuan Mat. And since Malaysia also have a Sharia legal system, in our Mm -hmm. Sharia court system, the first woman to be appointed as a judge in the High Court was also made in 2016. So, as you can see, this um, progression is actually kind of slow. So, what's your takeaway on this? How is it in Brunei? Uh,
1: Yes, um, of course, the context and the approach on how women represented in uh, in Malaysia, is quite similar on on what just needs to had just said, but um, now of course um, throughout the years, I see there's a progress, especially um, especially for the female judges, because if we see the law review uh, during the year 2009 in Brunei, there's actually no no female names and female judges names that pops out in the Decision or the ruling. But now, yeah, um now I've noticed and seen that there's a changes. And I just actually want to share that uh, our first female judges is Hayati Binti Muhammad Saleh. And she is also the first Brunei woman to be caught to the English bar. So this was back in uh, 2009. And she later was appointed as the Justice of the Supreme Court. Of Brunei, and oh. he is also the first female uh, of the Attorney General of Brunei in 2012. But yeah,
0: oh, that's amazing. Um, think, Sorry, yeah. when was she appointed?
1: He was appointed as the Attorney General in
0: 2012. Oh, that's yeah. interesting to hear.
1: But yeah, we still have no Chief Justice, but, but, I, but I see the progress. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess it will take um, it took some time, you know, for that to happen because I guess when it comes to um, in the shared legal system, mm-hmm. um, I guess there are still reservation about, you know, women representation there. I will we'll try not to go into deep, you know, into that discussion because then that will bring to another another complex conversation about the shared legal system. Uh, so how is it, uh, the situation in Brunei when it comes to, you know, like... Uh, I guess in income, uh equality, uh is are those things uh an issue?
1: Um, in it's actually not an issue, but but we can still see that, for example, uh let's say I'm just going to take in one example from let's say if you work in the Ministry of Education, right? So mm-hmm. there will be a position of director, co-director, and then the executive, and then the secretaries, right? So
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, mostly the top. Position is dominated by mostly male, so but the pay is still the same. But but I think, in terms of like um the equality on like appointing um uh women as the as the leader of the of the department or any ministry, it's still rare to see because most of our I think all of our uh ministers actually uh is a a man dominated uh, Mm. place in Brunei. So I think um, I really hope that um, we can change that by you know by having creating awareness because um, this is actually um, one of the issues that I want I would like to point out in Brunei because uh, Brunei is a society where uh, a male is like mostly dominate in uh, for the for the workplace. So yeah, but in terms of uh, wages or on the income, it's the same whether you are for example, you are a teacher, uh, the, the salary is around 2000 Brunei. You, know, you will be paid the same like the male teacher as well.
2: Uh,
0: I see. Yeah. Okay, this I think it's fair idea. also for us to give our listeners a context, especially those who are non-Muslims, to like understand um, why, and especially in countries to where mm-hmm. which practice the share our legal system, um, why they see a lot of male representation in high uh, positions. Um, yeah. I guess what I can say is that usually in the Shia uh, in the Shia context, uh, historically, um, it has been shown that um, men are usually the one that leads. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the rationale is because uh, typically men um, have the uh, have. have both the physical and mental strength. Um, This is, you know, according to the past and how it was, you know, previously when the awareness on education were so little. So what do you think, Shire?
1: Yeah, um, I really hope that this actually um, change because, because, you know, women should not be an exception to this matter. For example, women can actually lead uh, if you can see throughout the years. Uh, we can see that um there's a changes on the education and also the job position and yeah from my perspective itself that women should women already break the glass ceiling but just a matter of time for for the for the government or the society to in brunei especially to accept that women are able to lead and able to hold a high position position in in their workplace.
0: Yes, exactly. I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. Um so moving on to um the next thing that we wanted to discuss. Uh I guess I guess just to wrap up the discussion previously um is because we when we watched the show Alien McBill, mm-hmm. um, in that show there were quite a few women and then judges who are, you know, working in the litigation area as well as in the judici- in their judiciary setting in that show. Um, I guess uh, just now, um, Shai also mentioned um, there were also elements of dealing with sexual harassment mm-hmm. in the show, in the context yeah. of their plot and whatnot. So uh, the show actually portrayed Cases involving sexual harassment, um, we can see, okay, so I guess I'll just put a subtle spoiler alert here. Um, okay. In the beginning of the f- first episode, so Ali McBeal, she was actually forced start of the firm where she works after being sexually harassed by one of the firm's partner. Mm-hmm. So the first bit of humor comes from the incident itself, actually. So Ali um, was standing on a stool reading a book in and in a, she was wearing a short skirt and then this guy came and then just put his hand firmly on her backside. Mm-hmm. But he then claims this. Um, he tried to defend himself by saying that he had a medical condition that forces him to touch women's backside. So uh, so to build this defense after that he goes around the firm touching every woman's backside so this is somewhat a you know clever legal defense unfolding Mm -hmm. here so the firm's partner decide that they are better off being sued by Ali rather than by firing the man who harassed her and several other women at the firm because this guy you know he's a partner and obviously he's bringing he's bringing a lot of you know account to the firm so whatnot Um, other than that um, I've also noticed that they also have this toxic portrayal of sexual harassment, even in the show in the firm that the in the fir- in the new firm that Ali worked at, with their sexual jokes toward female staff and how they perceive women by objectifying them. In some of the scenes, you know, where Ali um, mm-hmm. had to flirt or look pretty in order to land a client or a lawyer uh, or you know any future lawyers to work in their firm. So, what do you think about this, Jai? Does this behavior? It's well, in our current times now,
1: sexual harassment is, uh, if if we are seeing from the perspective in Brunei, right? Um, sexual harassment is something, uh, is an issue that they don't want to talk about it actually because hmm.
2: you know it,
1: they they sort of like call this as a taboo. Um, yeah. but personally, which is for me, um, uh, this is one of the issues. Um, personally because. Um creating awareness uh towards sexual harassment is a, is a message, is a very important because I've I've heard stories that sexual harassment uh, that there is a sexual harassment in Brunei which is not is not being reported uh, in Brunei, which is which is quite disappointing um so just wanted to share a story um which is last year. So um I was actually one of the moderator. Uh, for mm-hmm. the u.s embassy so so the u.s embassy actually uh created a talk uh, which is for the woman empowerment and also this talk has actually emphasized on the women uh, breaking the glass ceiling, you know uh creating awareness on the sexual harassment but it's only a one-time event uh throughout, throughout the years in into 2020 mm-hmm. um so just wanted to share right one of the speakers is actually uh, the dsp of Brunei Salam which is DSP is actually a superintendent, which is a high-ranking position in Brunei, and she is actually the first superintendent woman in Brunei
2: Mm -hmm. uh, in
1: the police force, right? So she actually uh, shared this story in the police station. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a sexual harassment in the police station, which is quite crazy when when I moderate uh, during that event. Yeah, because, you know, the DSP shared that the sexual harassment, the male police, they take it as a joke, you know, which is quite sad. Because personally, for me, it's truly unacceptable, because you know, all genders should be treated equally, uh, especially in the workplace.
0: Would you mind they, telling us a little bit about the stories that um they shared?
1: It's actually uh there's a one uh one of police women um because she she's actually quite pretty lah, you know, but she is actually the only women in the police station which like accompanied like a lot of male police officers
2: hmm. so
1: actually uh what they did is actually they they grew up at the back of their you know of the part of the police women which is uh. you know because they they actually like slapped at the back of the you know the the back part which is
2: yeah, yeah, me, yeah, yeah.
1: it's really it's really disgusting like, to 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 hear that story and coming and very from very
0: demeaning as well. Yeah,
1: it's coming from a police station.
0: To also contribute to that, um, since you know, since I'm from Malaysia, we also have similar stories when it comes to that. You know, with police officers or any enforcement officers, um, sexually harassing the suspects. Um, yeah. Because we also, like I mentioned just now, we have a share our legal system as well. So the situation where there is um, raids, uh, especially when it comes to unmarried couples having you know, uh, unlawful intercourse. So the religious authorities will usually raid those places um, and then they will arrest these unmarried couples. So in in this process, you know, of arresting or trying to, you know, um, starting their investigation, oftentimes they would actually harass these couples in a way that is very, you know, demeaning. Um, Sometimes they would, like, record the situation just out of, um, just for fun, you know. So it's actually kind of uh, awful the way, like, some authorities are treating, well, you know, in general when it comes to this, um, being in power or being a person of authority, I don't think it, they should be actually doing these things, right? Because at the yeah. end of the day, the people actually, like, trust them to protect the people. The person, yeah. The people. yeah. Even, even if you're being arrested, you know, you still have your own rights when it comes yeah. to that.
2: I,
1: I mean, um seeing the stories from the police station itself um it, it's quite saddening you know because as a as a police officer right uh, they, they, they should like protect the people and all but then again there's a sexual harassment that took place in the police station itself so yeah. I just hope that this really changes but yeah I think that we can see that there's a lot of progress um uh for this by having this sharing session, or workshop on the sexual harassment, like the authority can actually publish certain act to protect women in the workplace. I think, I think after the the event on the the on the event that I moderate, in last December, if I'm not mistaken, the police, uh not the police force, um there's an act, there's a specific act on protection on women and child protection in Brunei, which is I found it to be uh a major step. To you know, to prevent sexual harassment in the workplace in Brunei. So yeah, I think seeing that I can see actually uh, workshops on uh, and sharing session on sexual harassment uh, create an important and a crucial role in promoting to prevent sexual harassment in the workplace.
0: Speaking of awareness, um, is there any policies in place you know in the workplace when it comes to that? And do you guys have? Um, an NGO that somewhat protect these women.
1: Um, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, there's a there's a there's a new act actually to protect the uh, to protect women in the workplace. But I'm not sure if this act have been established because in in Brunei there's only like a code of conduct in 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 the workplace to be followed. But again, uh, it, I see
0: there's
1: not there's not an, like an official law to protect. The, the, the women in, in Brunei.
0: Wow, that's actually good news, you know, because at least there's progress, right? So moving towards the end of our discussion, um, after yeah. unpacking all these uh, issues that we um, see from the show, um, I think what my take would be, um, although uh, we are pro- progressing at some point, but I feel like in some areas we're still lacking and we're still quite, quite slow in moving forward. Yeah. For example, like you mentioned in sexual when it comes to sexual harassment issues, I think it's pretty rampant also in other yeah. countries now, um, especially with the whole Harvey Weinstein Winstein scandal.
2: Gonna, and yeah.
0: the B2 movement, it was just recently, you know, just few years ago and what the show portrayed back then, you know, it was in the 90s and it's been mm-hmm. like what now? I think more than a decade and
2: yeah.
0: the awareness is still lacking or the implementation of the law is still quite not strict because you know these issues are still pretty rampant so I guess in moving forward um, why do you like to see more improvement when it comes to these issues
2: Um,
1: yeah um, now in today's uh, modernization of society uh, um, as a Bruneian I would like to you know uh, Brunei, you know, and the whole world, especially, we should open our minds, you know, because because sexual harassment and not just sexual harassment, um, for example, like the gender inequality, gender equality uh. is like, uh, it's also like regarded like a uh, sort of like taboo in Brunei, uh. as I mentioned earlier. But then again, uh, awareness should be exposed to the public, and you know, I hope to see um to see more campaign on gender equality and then more sharing sessions. Because, you know, this type of um, event is actually help the society to improve. Because equating like, uh, for example, uh, the sexual harassment in workplace is actually happening in Brunei. This is something that, um, something that we are not supposed to, you know, disclose it. It, it should be shared, you know, to, to get awareness as well. And yeah, my hope for 2021 uh, I hope that uh, not just Brunei, so I hope the world can actually have a harmonized, hum, harmonized work environment, and you know, more gender equality in our today society.
0: So, mm, true. I because yeah. I I hope the same thing too. I hope that you know when women report all of these cases, like when they being sexually harassed. I hope that you know um the law also protects them, yeah. and that the repercussions to them wouldn't be as bad. You know because sometimes women felt like you know it's easier to not report and just go on with my life because if I report it, there's gonna be a whole big mess, and then their um their job will not be protected or secured, mm-hmm. you know, their future and whatnot. And sometimes in certain cases, after uh, after they have uh, reported cases of sexual harassment issues, yeah, uh, you know, or, or anything regarding to it, uh, after that, it's hard for them to find jobs. So I, I hope that our society, uh, as well as, you know, in the Asian context, because I, I do know that mm. some countries, um, I guess, to be fair, even in Malaysia, um, that when it comes to this things like this shouldn't be a taboo
2: mm-hmm.
0: it should, you know it, people should be more aware of it and it's not something that uh, I guess for companies they shouldn't see it as um, something as uh, embarrassing they should empower this woman and uh, yeah. encourage the women so that uh, to further combat these kind of issues you know, to curb uh, to, to not protect or I guess you know just shove it under the rug like People always do, right?
1: Yeah, especially in you know in the in the Asian context, it's like the victim is actually like and I unable to to find a job, and she's the victim, which is quite sad, you know.
0: Yeah, you're right, Shire. It is quite sad actually because it seems like we are invalidating their trauma and what they went through. So I guess to summarize our discussion today so for our listeners out there you know if you guys are in the areas where you still are going through any lockdown measures due to pandemic or any other issues um, if you have some free time feel free to watch the show Ali um try to watch it i guess with an open mind because mm-hmm. it's quite interesting to see how how the show was back then, and then you try to relate it with the current circumstances yeah, the current, now, yeah. I mean, I think towards the end the show kind of got a little bit like weird and a little crazy because um, because of how they portray the lead character yeah, we're trying not to give any spoilers to them <laughs> but you guys should really watch it it's actually really interesting as well as in the legal context and whatnot yeah, it's yeah. actually a fun show to watch so thank you to our listeners for tuning in to our first episode of Alsa One Podcast for this year and a huge thanks to Shire for being so willing to be our guest speaker today but before we bid our goodbyes any last words Shire?
1: I just hope that um, this podcast can create awareness uh, towards woman representation sexual show sure her as in the workplace and I just wanted to say um, thank you Anista, for having me as a speaker for the first episode and to the listeners out there uh, stay safe everyone
0: yes stay safe everyone and stay tuned for our next episode take care bye <music>